0: The following audio is from Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com. Well, as I said earlier, we are launching today, Imagine, and uh, all of this is rooted and tied to who we want to make much of. And uh, I so appreciate the singing today, making much of Jesus, making much of the gospel, and uh, I'm going to ask Dane Renew if he would come this morning. And he's going to share a little bit more about Imagine, maybe some things about himself, and, and just kind of you know, any, any kind of embarrassing details you'd like to share. We'd love to, love to hear those. But, Dane, thank you.
1: Okay, one of the things we sung this morning was Lord of All. Well, if God's Lord of All, he's Lord of our money. And I know that's the hard part. That's not what we want to let go very easily. And one thing that we talked about in FPU that I kind of want to reiterate again, I'm going to kind of use this a little bit of an example. I won't get these numbers right, but the number that is correct is over 70% of us live paycheck to paycheck. That means we have no extra money for anything. We're just paying bills. And that means in this congregation alone, and I'm not picking on anybody when I do this, but imagine this section over here, everybody's doing okay. They're not living paycheck to paycheck. You take everybody from here over. That means the rest of us, all of us over here, I'm not picking on anybody. Please don't misunderstand me. We're living paycheck to paycheck. That's not where we want to be. Another thing that we know about that puts us in this position are credit cards. They're a pretty good evil today. I don't know about anybody else. I'm a little older than some, but younger than others. When I was in college, I remember when I became a senior, I got flooded with applications for credit cards. Thank goodness my dad had already given me one, this American Express. He said, you only use this when it's an absolute emergency, and you better call me before you use it. Thank goodness the only time I called it was to buy a ring for a girl I got engaged to. Thank goodness I didn't marry her. I married somebody much more wonderful, which is Dee. But still, I never had to use that card other than that one time, which was a good lesson because I learned it again. I tithed and did a lot of things. My dad was a good teacher on how to handle money. But today, believe it or not, and we learned this through FPU, and I didn't know it until we went through this. Institutions today, banks, believe it or not, but even more than banks, things like Macy's, Sears, a lot of these people, they make more money off of us through credit cards than they do anything. Well, that's not where we want to be. And the average person that has credit cards that uses them, if they're in debt, there are 20000 or more in debt due to credit cards. That's definitely not where we want to be. So one thing that FPU did for us, taught us, and let us know is don't use credit cards because when we're doing credit cards, another thing that's going on is somebody's earning our money. All of us in this room I know work very hard for the money. I do. Blood, sweat, tears, a lot of your time, a lot of your effort away from family, whatever. You're earning that money. If a bank gets your money through interest on a credit card, did they work for it? No. No. And another thing you'll think about is most of us, we live in modest homes. They're not very big. Probably one story. Some of us, were lucky too. If we're even a little luckier, three-story homes. What do banks look like? How tall are they? Well, that's the reason they're so tall. They got our money for nothing. So we don't want to give it to them. So one of the things we want to celebrate today, our group in FPU, what we did is we canceled credit cards. We got rid of them. We cut them up. So we're not going to use them anymore. We're not going to be enslaved to the banks or anybody else. We want to be obedient to God. We want to use our money wisely, not pay interest on anything. So we want to challenge all y'all. If you haven't joined FPU, please join it. Be part of it. What we want to do is take everybody and fill this thing up with every other person's credit card here so that we're not in debt to other people. We want to earn our money and use it for God's glory and for our use. We want to tell our money what to do with it instead of being slaves to it and having to pay it to everybody else. So join us, and let's cover this bad boy up by the end of this nine weeks. Thank you. Thank you, Dane.
0: We did make that. I want to
1: give Louis credit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was a group, uh, that was the leadership group that has launched, has been planning and, and launching Imagine. That's just a few of us. Um, that, I mean, that's just, that's 10 to 12 of us or so, maybe even less than that in there. I can't think of everybody right offhand. But imagine if, if all of us got serious about following God in this area and, and began to just say, look, I'm not going to do this anymore and just cut those credit cards up and quit spending money that we don't have. How much more could be had? For the kingdom of God, Uh, so I want to just encourage you. Appreciate Dane sharing that. And if you have not signed up, sign up today. Show up today, and uh, we're going to have a great journey together. Well, if you've got a Bible, open with me to Proverbs chapter twenty-two. Proverbs twenty-two, and we're going to look at really one verse to start with today, and we'll we'll look at some other verses along the way. This sermon is a little different uh, than what I normally do. I normally take books of the Bible and preach verse by verse all the way through a book of the Bible. And today we're going to detour for today because of the launch of Imagine. You say, well, why are you doing this? Not all of us are are going through this. Well, we're doing this because we want you to see the seriousness of this. And I'll show you exactly more reason why I'm doing this in, in just a minute. But I'll go ahead and give you the disclaimer. This sermon is about money. Now, some of you right now, the men in the room, you just Shifted and put all your weight right on top of your wallet so nobody could slip in and get it, you know? And some of the ladies in the room, you took your purse and you just clutched it a little tighter, you know, thinking, oh, no, here it comes. This is what pastors do. Pastors ask for money. It's all about money. This is one of those pastors that he's just preaching for money. He probably wants to get another car. He probably wants to get this or that. And that's not it at all. We want, I want to be up front with you and say this sermon is about money, um, but not about the church's money. This sermon today is going to be about your money. The sermon today is going to be about how you manage the money that God has given you for his glory. And and when we talk about this, I, I want you to know that while most of what I say today is going to deal directly with money, stewardship is an issue that deals far beyond money. My kids today are given to me on loan from God. My job today is on loan to me from God. My, my possessions, my family. If you look at everything we have, there's not anything that we have that has not been given to us by God. And we've all been put here to be managers or stewards of this. I, I don't know if you knew this. I think I've mentioned this before. But according to Dave Ramsey's organization, there are over 800 scriptures in the Bible that deal with money. It's a lot, isn't it? Over 800 that deal with money. It's been said that Jesus talked about money more than he did any other subject, including heaven or hell. And I I don't know that that's true. I've not gone through and, and checked all of that. But if that's true, it should tell us that this is a very important topic, that this is a subject that we can't ignore. And I want us to look at this together. Look at Proverbs 22, verse 7 with me. The Bible says in verse 7 of Proverbs 22, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. The first thing I want you to see today in this verse is that stewardship is a spiritual issue. It's a spiritual issue. Uh, we get to church, and, and many people tense up when the pastor begins to talk about money. Why is that? Why do we do that? If, if, we're, if we're honest... Um, There's not a whole lot of our lives that are not touched by money in some way. So why do we get all tensed up when the pastor begins to talk about how the Bible applies to this one area of our lives? It could be because we've watched and we've seen crooked pastors on TV abuse this and preach about money and and ask you to sow a seed into their ministry and, and ask people all over the world to just give money to this. And that's not what we're wanting you to do. But maybe that's one of the reasons why we get so uptight. Some people believe in the church that the church has no business sticking its nose in, in, in its members' money. Some think that, that a pastor should never talk about money from the pulpit. And I'll be honest with you, I'll just be very transparent. I have shied away and stayed away from this area talking about money from the pulpit. You'll know if you've been here for a while, I don't do this very often, probably to a fault because I wanted to avoid this appearance that we were wanting money. We, we're, this is not it. We, we believe that God owns everything anyway, and that if God wants to shut this church down, He'll shut this church down. Or if God wants this church to, to, to succeed in taking the gospel into places where it has never been, He will do that also. He doesn't need your money or mine. We're not asking for your money. But I, to a fault, have probably not said enough about money. Some assume that, that a sermon about money is, is only a Thinly veiled plea to get to your money, to increase the giving in the church. But the truth is, how you manage your money is an intensely spiritual issue. Literally, in this passage, this verse that we just read, where he says the borrower is, borrower is slave to the lender, it points to the fact that when it comes to money, money can be an issue of slavery or it can be an issue of freedom. I don't have to belabor that because some of you right now, you know this to be true. You know the enslaving power that money seems to be just holding over you at this moment. The fights that you've had in your home with your spouse about money. The the things that you'd love to be able to do but you can't do because of this issue of debt or money. You, You know that that. This is an issue of slavery or potentially freedom. Some of you have come through and paid off debt and now you don't have any debt and you realize the freedom that comes to serve the Lord when you're not in bondage to this. And I wouldn't be doing my job as pastor if I didn't talk to you about this. Um, This is why Jesus said, we're talking about there's not a whole lot of areas in your life that are not touched by money. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6... Verses 19 through 21. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I want you to just listen to that last phrase where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And and he also said in Luke chapter 12, a similar passage, but with a little bit different twist to it. In Luke chapter 12, verses 33 and 34, Jesus said to his disciples, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." So I studied this, and I looked at this, the, the footnote in the ESV study Bible says this about those verses. When Jesus said, put your money in money bags that don't wear out, listen, money bags that do not grow old is a metaphor for the place where one stores one's treasures. Because the believer's treasures are stored in heaven, the believer's money bag will never wear out, will not fail, and is safe from being stolen by thieves and destroyed by moths. How many things have you and I put our money into that have let us down? That we've seen someone come and steal it away or time or rust, take that from us. Whether it's a car or a house or some other possession or some investment. It's not going to last forever, but here God says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Put it in money bags that don't grow old. The nature of a person's heart their true spiritual condition is revealed by the things they value most, isn't it? If we're going to live by this book, then we've got to live by all of this book. If you, haven't, if you couldn't tell already, I'm trying to make a case as to why I'm talking to you about money today because I don't want you to see me as this greedy preacher up here. If we're going to live by this book, then we've got to live by all of this book, which means that we're going to have to take our checkbooks and lay them open next to this book, with it opened, and see what we find. Over the next little bit in this sermon, we're going to talk about three general biblical principles that the Bible gives us for dealing with money. And then I wanted to just, again, reiterate and introduce the the, the imagine that we're going to launch this afternoon. So let's look at these. First biblical principle I want you to see today is this. Money is a powerful force. Money is a powerful force. We desperately need to recognize the power that money holds over us, but without going to unhealthy extremes. You say, well, how can we go to unhealthy extremes when we talk about money? Well, there's two ways we can go there, at least two. One is we can say, well, if I'm wealthy, it means that God is pleased with me and he's blessing me. And if I'm I'm in poverty, it means that God's displeasing me in some way and, and he's withholding blessing from me. That there's something wrong within me or there's something right within me and God's looking at that and responding to that. And, and to which I would say that's wrong. It couldn't be any further from the truth. Money's not a sign of God's bless, blessing nor is poverty a sign of his displeasure. If that were true, why did Jesus warn us about, the, about how difficult it would be for a rich man to enter heaven? Remember that in Matthew 19 where he says easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven? Why? If, if he's saying that rich people are blessed of God, then why would he say that? Or why in, in Proverbs chapter 28, verse 6, would it say, Better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than a rich man who is crooked in his ways. See, the issue here, here is, is not the, the amount of money. The issue is the heart, the condition of the heart. And for a lot of us, this is an issue that we need to realize and we need to see that we don't do well with money or we struggle with money because it's not, it's not this or that. It comes back to our heart. The second unhealthy extreme that we, that we can sometimes come to in dealing with money is that money is evil. Now, probably the most misquoted or one of the most misquoted Uh, verses in all of Scripture is that money is the root of all evil. The Bible never really says that. The Bible never says that. In fact, in in 1 Timothy 6.10, what what the Bible says is, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So money's not good and money's not bad. In fact, it's just amoral. It's without morals. One way to, to look at this is to think about money like a pile of bricks bricks don't care what you do with them. You could take, if I got a pile of bricks, I can take those pile of bricks and I can take them and I can throw them through a window and try to hurt somebody. Or I can take that same pile of bricks and I can build a hospital somewhere. Or I can build a church somewhere. See, bricks are neither good nor bad. They're simply just a tool that can be used for good or evil. And and when we come to this issue thinking that money is evil, we can't think that because Money's not. Money is, is, is neither good nor bad. Money's simply a magnifier. It takes on the characteristics of the person holding it, and it, in some ways, makes them more of what they already are. Think about it. Uh, if you know a jerk of a guy and he's got a pile of money, doesn't that just give him bigger and bolder opportunities to be a jerk of a guy? In the same way, if you know somebody that's had their heart captured by God in the gospel and their life's just been changed and turned by the power of God in Christ and they've got a pile of money, doesn't it just give them bigger and bolder opportunities to serve people and to advance the kingdom of God? See, money we can't say is evil. Money is a magnifier. It's a tool. I heard John Piper as I was studying this week for this say, at the root, at the heart of stewardship is this question What do you want to make much of? That's at the heart of stewardship. What do you want to make much of? Do you want to make much of yourself? Or do you want to make much of Christ? Money doesn't care, but money can be a great tool to make much of. Really, either one. And we want to show you in the course of this that money can be powerful to be used to bring glory to Christ in our community, in our neighborhood, and among the nations. So money is powerful. Second thing I want you to see today is this, that money expands and limits our options. That money expands and limits our options. We see this back in the original verse, Proverbs 22, verse 7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. I don't know if you heard that, but the Bible didn't didn't make a mistake there. The Bible didn't mean to say a servant. The Bible meant to say slave. The borrower is slave to the lender. Debt creates this master-slave relationship. Now think about it. A slave doesn't have choices. He can't give money because he doesn't own anything. He can't go where he wants to go because it's not his freedom to go where he wants to go. A slave may want to give or serve or grow, but at the end of the day, he has a master who's calling the shots. And for a lot of us, you heard Dane mention it earlier, a lot of us, that master is MasterCard or Visa or Sally Mae or Michigan Mutual for us or whatever the case may be. For too many of us, our our master is calling the shots. I'm convinced that many of you, when I look out at you, I've been your pastor now for four years this month, and uh, I look out at you and I'm convinced that you love the Lord. I think you love the Lord and I think you want to serve him and I think you want to make much of him, but so many of you, I'm also convinced that you're limited by the master that's enslaved you you'd love to be able to give more. When you hear us talking about giving to Toronto or you hear us talking about giving to the, to the general budget so that we can do more ministry, you'd love to be able to give more. I've had conversations with some of you that have said, I, I'm, I'm I just at a place where I can't. And I, I think you'd love to be able to do more and give more, but you're controlled by the master that you've put yourself under. When you're a slave, you just don't have as many options, do you? This can work both ways. You may not have any debt. Some of you are in here today saying, Well, this is sermons really about people that are in debt up to their eyeballs, and that doesn't include me because I'm out of debt. I'm debt free. What does this have to do with me? Well, this can work both ways. You may not have any debt, but you can be limited by the things that you love. What was it that Jesus said to the rich young ruler? Listen to Matthew 19, verses 16 through 22. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, What good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, "Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments." He said to him, "Which ones?" Jesus said, "You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And you shall you shall love your neighbor as yourself." The young man said to him, "All these I've kept. What do I still lack?" And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. See, this man, this man probably didn't have any debt. He owned a lot of things. He had lots of toys. He had lots of servants. He had lots of dwellings and all these things. But in the end, he may not have been controlled and mastered by someone who was holding debt over him, but these things had him. And he couldn't go and serve the way he wanted to because he loved these things. And some of you in this room may be sitting there thinking, I don't have any debt, I'm debt free. But there are some things in your life that have your attention and they, the love of these things, are keeping keeping you from serving God the way sometimes you're prompted to. Money is powerful. Money expands and limits our options sometimes. And the third thing I want to show you today is this, that money must be managed. That money must be managed. And I'll spend a little bit of time here as we walk through this. I, want to, I won't go over everything with you, but I want to show you just a few principles here of management and why I say money must be managed. Uh, stewardship is a word that conjures up in our day and age all sorts of definitions, Right? As soon as I say stewardship, immediately some of you think I'm going to ask for an offering or that I want you to begin to tithe or that I want you to begin to put more in the plate. That's what you think of when I say stewardship. But that's really not what it is. In fact, most people don't really understand what stewardship is. We've said all through the promotion of Imagine that this is more than money. That stewardship is really, the word steward is a word that simply means manage, That all of us have been given all sorts of things. Every one of us in this room, if we're honest, would say, we've been given something. Whether it's a job or or a chance to get an education or lots of nice things, whatever it is, a good salary, whatever it is, all of us have been given something. And what God wants us to do is to manage. And And that applies to not just your money, but also all those things, your kids, You have a responsibility as parents to manage your children toward God and the things of God. It's not your responsibility to make a commitment to Christ for them. But it is your responsibility to manage them toward Christ. It's your job. You've been given a job. It's your responsibility there to, to work hard under the expectations that your employer has put on you as if you're working to the Lord. You're managing that toward God. In the same way, your money, what God allows to come in through your fingers and in through your hands has been given to you to be managed for Him, toward Him, for the kingdom of God. But what we do is what we saw in that video a couple of weeks ago where we cut out pieces of the pie that's been given to us. It's God's pie it has been given to us and we cut out all these pieces for everything else in our lives. And when it comes down to God, God's left out in the cold because we've spent all of this. We've managed all of this money toward us. Money must be managed. A steward is literally a manager, and I want us to see this as we walk through this. Whether this is in church or it's in your church family, money must be managed. God requires us to manage what we have. Proverbs 27, verse 23 says, Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. Now, I don't like giving you just one verse like this often. I often want you to know the context and all, but Proverbs is really a collection of these sort of wisdom sayings in a lot of ways. They're not promises, but they're things that just are by observation. These are wise things that we should do, that we should put into practice, or, or things that are unwise, that we are warned against doing. And here the Bible says, know well the condition of your flocks, give attention to all your herds. In other words, what we should do is we should know what we have, know how much of what we have we have, and know what we're doing with it. That we're to manage it. That we're to manage what we have. Money management requires a plan. Luke 14, verses 28 through 30, Jesus, in the midst of instructing his disciples on counting the cost of discipleship, he says... For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it to begin, will begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Money management requires a plan. God's saying success just doesn't happen by accident. If you want to succeed... You've got to set goals and then put a plan in place as to how you're going to accomplish those goals. Now, I'm not a money guy. That's my wife. I, when it comes to numbers, um, I, I'm just, just not all there. I was, doing, you know, I was working out the other day at the gym, and we were doing all these, and we had to keep track of how many of this exercise we did and how many of this we did and how many of this we did. and We, had to, we were doing several sets, and so we had to mark them on the floor. We were going to add them all up at the end and write it on the board. When it came down to the end, I had this number, and this lady in the gym said, there's no way you only had that many. I said, what are you saying, that I'm slow, that I'm weak? And she said, no, there's no way, you don't understand. If you only did that, that would mean you only did this many each time. And it clicked for me, and I said, you're right. And so I went back, and I redid the math, and I had done much more than I thought I had. So math is not my strong suit. I was so appreciative of her so that I wasn't embarrassed by the low number that would be on the board, you know. And this, For me, this is foreign. And for some of you, this is foreign as all get out. You look at numbers and you think, I'm supposed to manage. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't get this. Well, that's one reason why you need to come through FPU with us. Because you're going to learn a whole lot. And Dave puts it in simple terms to where you will understand. And some of you in the room, you're the opposite. You love numbers and you love to crunch them till there is nothing left to crunch in them at all. You have worn them out, right, in spreadsheets and all these things. You also need to come because you will learn so much. And we're called to this, to manage with a plan. And thirdly is this, that when it comes to managing money, wise people save money. Listen to Proverbs twenty-one twenty. It says, precious treasury and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. In other words, what that's saying is if you spend all that you make, you're a fool. Now, I didn't say that. God said that, right? God says that in His Word. If you spend all you make, it's foolish. You should set some aside. Fourth is this. Building wealth takes time and discipline. Proverbs 28, verse 20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings, but whoever hastens to be rich will go go unpunished will not go unpunished in other words there is no such thing as a get rich quick some of you right now you're looking at this and you're thinking oh this is this is a big spiel here this is like a one big infomercial in the place of a sermon that's not what we're doing here some of you are are looking at this saying if i come to this in nine weeks i'm going to be rich and that's not it at all there's no such thing as a get rich quick scheme God instead, in His Word, gives us principles and instructions that we are to live by when it comes to stewarding money in our lives so that over time we can be debt-free, build wealth, but not build wealth to be selfish hoarders of that wealth, but instead to use that wealth as a powerful force to make much of Christ among the nations. So here's where I'll end today say, so, well, what's the big deal? Why, why are we doing all this? This just seems so out of place and so odd for us that normally we walk through sections of Scripture verse by verse together. Well, because I, I'm convinced that we need help with this. I'm convinced that we have shied away from this for a long time, and that we as a church family need to come together and say, we've got to follow God in this area too. So the plan is imagine or we didn't try to hide or anything like that it's financial peace university that's the tool we're going to be using over the next nine weeks some of you say well i've been through financial peace university yeah you, you may have but there's some new things in here that you may want to pick up on so we would encourage you to come back through it but secondly as we all go through this together We're going to, as a congregation, begin to speak the same language and talk the same thing out in the hallways and out in the parking lot. You're going to be able to walk alongside other people that are doing the same thing that you're doing or maybe that are behind where you are or maybe that are in front of where you are. And we're going together to say, God, we want in this area of stewardship, particularly in money, God, to be right with you, to be following you, to be doing it according to your Word, your plan. God's plan for your money is not, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. And for a lot of us, that's the only plan you have. You're just planning on working until I guess you drop dead. And we want to show you that according to God's principles, that doesn't have to be your only option. We live in one of the most God blessed places on the planet. Yet, the Wall Street Journal tells us that 7 out of 10 Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. I don't know about you, but the illustration that Dane did a minute ago where he said, you know, this group, you're doing well, but this, these two sections, paycheck to paycheck, that's a realistic picture. And if, that, if what applies to America is true with our congregation, then maybe, maybe he didn't. I mean, he's not lumping certain people in. The reality is that a lot of us in this room are just living paycheck to paycheck. There was a Gallup poll taken that that said only 32% of Americans could cover a $5,000 emergency without having to borrow money. Now, some of you, that hurts when I say that because, you know, you couldn't do it. Some of you, you think, well, I could do that, but who else couldn't? And you, you look at these stats and you say 7 out of 10 people living paycheck to paycheck. Only 32% could come up with 5000 if they needed it without borrowing money. And what, what you realize is that in America, normal is broke. That normal in America means debt, no savings, little retirement, and a paycheck to paycheck way of life. Normal in America is broke. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be normal anymore. I'm not saying I'm not up here standing up here saying I want to get wealthy and I want to be rich and I'm one of these pastors that wants to go after these things. I'm not saying that at all, but I want to help you to be able to get out from under the Proverbs 22:7 yoke of bondage and slavery that some of you are under. I don't want us to be broke or normal anymore. We need to be weird. It's time to introduce a new kind of normal to the world, and I, I believe the church should lead the way. We look at our government and the government spending just ridiculously um, with with abandonment, with very little checks and balances. We look at businesses doing the same thing in, 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 in lots of homes doing the same thing, just blind to it, thinking one day something will come and bail us out. Well, what if we took the principles that God's laid out for us in Scripture and began to live by them and saw God do an amazing thing? Over the next several weeks, our church is going to embark on what could truly be a life-altering journey. I don't, I don't put that in the same category of salvation, but it could be life-changing in the sense that some of you right now, you know the turmoil that your homes are in because this is a constant fight and a constant struggle. And this could be life-altering for you. This could change your family tree. In the next nine weeks, you're gonna, if you go through this with us, here's what you're going to learn. You're going to learn... How to manage your money, how to communicate with your spouse about money, how to get out of debt, how to save for emergencies, how to plan for college and retirement, how to find the right kind of insurance, and ultimately how to change your family tree once and for all. This is what you'll learn in the middle of this. The average family that goes through this class pays off $5,300 in debt and saves $2,700 in the first 90 days. Uh, that 's the average that 's an eight thousand dollar turnaround and I would just ask you this question: What could you and your family do with that kind of change? What could we as a church do with that kind of change for the glory of Christ? You look at in your bulletin and you see printed there the the weekly need I and mean, then what what we 've brought in there and again, this is not about that but I, I can't help but to think, man, if, if we were living debt-free, how much more could we do for the King of God in our private lives as well as corporately as a church? And so I would ask you, I would call you to this. Together, we're going to walk through this amazing journey over the next few weeks together. And over this journey, I'm praying that we're going to see some dramatic changes in your family, in the families that are represented here but also in the family of this church. We're going to lock arms together. We're going to trust God. We're going to boldly embrace his principles for handling money and for stewarding all areas of our lives. And what I would ask you today is, will you join us? Let's pray together. Lord, today... I come to you and, Lord, I'm just so uncomfortable. God, even talking about this because it's not in my wheelhouse. But God, it's in yours because you've written about it in your word. God, we look at Passages like Proverbs 22 and Proverbs 28 and Matthew 6 and Matthew 16 and 19 and and Luke 12 and all of these. And God, we see that you've spoken so many times and so many ways about money because money controls us. And God, I pray that the, the life of this congregation, the families here and the family that is the body here, God, that we would come to see the freedom that you meant for us to have as we follow you. God, that when we do the right things that you've instructed us to do, there's a sense of joy, there's a sense of peace and freedom that comes there. But God, when we live in in contradiction to those things, God, there's a sense of bondage and slavery and guilt and all these other things. So God, I pray that you would call us out of disobedience and call us into obedience. And God, I pray that you'd help us to help one another. God, that we would stir one another up, that we would push one another on in Christ-likeness in this. God, that this is not going to be a quick journey. God, for many in this room, this could be three, four, five, six years or more climbing out of a hole that some people are in. But God, I pray that we would, by the grace of God and for your glory, do this together so that our one life here can make much of you. That we would say, in this world, in this life, I want to make much of Christ. Above all things, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to give you some time to just reflect on what's been said. Um, Maybe there's been something here today that's really convicted you or really prompted you. And you know that that there's some things that you need to get alone with God in. And you need to just talk with God about. Maybe there's some things that you know, that there's some action steps that you've got to take. Maybe that one of those action steps is to go right out here today and go to those tables and sign up and begin this process of walking through, how, how do I do this? Maybe today there's all sorts of things that God may be saying to you, and I just want to encourage you today to be honest and just be real with God and to say yes to whatever he's calling you to, to stop running from him, and whatever God is leading you to, whatever his word is calling you to, his grace will be sufficient to enable you in, and just to surrender yourself to it, and, uh, and to be obedient as you walk with him. We want to give you an opportunity, if you're here today and you need to talk with me, or pray with me, or join this church, or whatever God lays on your heart, I'm going to be seated right down here on the front. We're going to close with a song, and whatever God prompts you to do, do it during that time. I'd love to talk with you, but if you don't need to talk with me, just do whatever God lays on your heart today. But let's be obedient as we worship our God. This time of teaching is brought to you
1: by Abner Creek Baptist Church. For more information, visit www.abnercreekbaptist.com.